0: So yeah, I'm gonna be with the yogis. I wanna be hugging some trees. <laughs> I'm probably running around the jungle naked.
1: You, know? you wanna eat good food, right? She, she ain't a cook like that, but I, it's because when I was younger, I used to tell my brothers I'm educated, not domesticated.
2: I think that there has to be a healthy balance on both ends, because men need to learn how to be caretakers as well. Culture.
1: Hey, I'm sorry, so, you, there's a difference between Mexicano and Chicano? Yeah. So really? my father was born in the US in 1924.
2: What are you worried about? If you're worried, then I have to worry more. <laughs>
1: I think about how the burrito was made, right? It was because of the fact that like women started working and you had to put everything and get folks food.
2: I've always been that guy. I get up and it's like, I want to cook. I want to you know, clean up after myself.
1: That you get taught as a Latina. And then there's just the instinct in your heart that comes from motherhood. Tell them that I was mistaken for limiting your ability to be on the court and be free. Like I should have never taken that from you.
0: What's up, y'all? Welcome to Banking on Cultura, where we talk about all things Latino culture, entrepreneurship, and all the bonchinche in between. Now, today, I'm super pumped about today's topic because y'all know we like to get spicy on this show. We like to keep it super raw and authentic. And today, we're going to be talking about, are Latinas raised to be caregivers to men instead of leaders? And I have two amazing guests that are joining me today, Carmen Perez and Miguel Trinidad. And these two are the perfect combo to have this conversation. So Carmen, Miguel, welcome to the show. Thank,
1: Thank you, you. very much Thank <laughs> you
0: for being here. I am super pumped. So, you know, we like to start Banking a Cultura with what's the bon ginger. We want to know what's going on in your lives. And we always allow our guests to go first. So Carmen, Miguel, which one wants to go first to tell us what's the bon ginger? And <laughs> the bon can be... Personal, okay. can be professional, could be something positive, it could be related to mental health. Is your bon chinche? So tell us.
2: Well, let's go personal and positive.
0: Oh, okay. I'm gonna
2: be a dad for the second time.
0: Ooh. Oh. Yes. ooh. Yay. Okay. So
2: yeah. I have a little girl and there's another one on the way. We don't know what it's gonna be, but we're excited about it.
0: I love oh, that. Wow. I was talking to Miguel earlier and I was like, ooh, the suspense. Like I don't know if I can handle I know you got kiddos. Could you wait? Oh my god. No to find out the sex of the baby. Uh I mean no.
1: <laughs> I don't know if I could either. Uh-uh. But you know what like as a person who carried like a child, I always thought I knew what I was having. So I was like, oh, this one, you know, I'm having different cravings, like my body looks different with my second child and I was like, this is a girl and he happened to be a amazing little boy. Like, and so I was all wrong. <laughs> so I was, was like, all wrong. I was all okay. wrong in a little like, oh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm outnumbered in my house because it was all it's my husband and two boys and a boy dog. And luckily I just got a girl dog. So it's okay. all good. Yeah. We got
0: some uh, female flavor in mm-hmm. there. So Carmen, what's the bonchinche? Oh my God, what's the bonchinche?
1: You know, I've been going through a lot as a vi- I'm going to go, you know, I don't know if it's positive or negative, but one of the things is as somebody who organized a woman's march, I was very visible for quite some time. And being a woman of color in the space, you know, just as quick as they elevate you, they chop you down, right? And so I was going through some rough times specifically because of the death threats that I was receiving at a very, very like high level. And as a Latina, as a Chicana, Mexican-American woman, counseling isn't something that you're ever encouraged to do. I mean, I had a sister killed and buried on my birthday. So I've been through stuff and I've actually made it through. And so I, I usually focus on my spiritual practice. And recently I started looking up mental health counselors. And the funny, the funny thing, it's not funny, but I find it funny because I'm like, am I really supposed to be doing this? So I was like, OK, I'm going to do it. I'm going to reach out. I'm going to schedule an appointment. I waited for the call and they never called. And so I was like, "Y'all." audacity. I know. So I was like, maybe I just got to continue on my spiritual practice and continue to jog and do what I got to do. And, you know, I'll yeah. try that again. But it was it was huge for me to, like, put my guard down and. Also, my culture that tells you, no le digas a nadie nada, you know, and but at the end of the day, I'm really proud of myself that I that I took that step. And one day, you know, I'll be able to, you know, take that forward when when they're ready to receive me, because apparently it wasn't meant to be. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Or maybe you just need to shoot your shot again and make it happen. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Shoot your shot again. and Let's go. (laughs) Let's make it happen. No, I love that share. So my bonchinche. Let's see. I have so much one (laughs) Chinche. This is what makes my life colorful. I guess, you know, I'm turning 40 this year. And one of the things that I'm really looking forward to, I decided to take a trip to Costa Rica for two weeks. And I'm doing a retreat that is all focused on spirituality, becoming one with yourself, finding purpose and just more meaning in your life, and really just getting in tuned with yourself. So I'm really looking forward to that because I feel like when I embark on this next decade, I want it to be as meaningful as possible and as full as possible. And I feel like that needs to start with you being fully balanced within like mind, body, and spirit. So, yeah, I'm gonna be with the yogis. I wanna be hugging some trees. <laughs> I'm probably running around the jungle naked. You know, just be free. Okay. <laughs>
2: you You're gonna 40s. Yeah. you gonna do Afternoon some
0: ayahuasca? Uh, What's the. So, you know what? I looked into that and I was. I was going to do it, but I came across this retreat that I was like really going in on. And it was almost like $10,000 to do this, okay? But I was in. I was like, let's go. And then I started really doing some digging and some researching and I found out that. All the reviews, it had like over 3,000 reviews, positive reviews. And all the reviews, they were saying, once you get to like, you dig a little deeper, that they would have you write a review when you're high. So that obviously you're going to be like, oh my God, this is the most amazing experience. (laughs) Like you have to come. It's so breathtaking. Like they're not taking testimonials about like when you come down and like what happens afterwards. And so there was a little bit of controversy. And I was like, you know what, like, I feel really good about my life and I feel really good about how my brain works. So I was kind of nervous. I was like, I don't know if I want to do this. And then I come back different because there were some horror stories too. Oh yeah. And I was like, you know what? This is not it. I need something that has a component of that vibe. So one of the retreats I'm doing has, um, it's called cacao medicine. Oh yeah. Which is not like ayahuasca, but the same kind of theme where it's going to have you kind of connect internally and have you you know get all the vibes mm-hmm. so I'm excited about that mm-hmm. uh so that's my bone teacher I'm really looking forward Yay. to that yeah and hopefully I come back like a brand new restored fully replenished full Victoria Jen ready to you know take on the world yeah you deserve that yeah you definitely yeah definitely thank deserve you that. thank you so much okay so let's get into today's conversation so <laughs> when I was thinking about what we were going to discuss I was like you know what This needs to be addressed because we talk about it kind of on the low, like behind closed doors, but we never talk about it on a public platform when we know this is happening in the cultura, we know this exists, and we're in a very interesting time right now where things are shifting in terms of gender roles, in terms of, you know, how are you bringing your cultural traditions into this new modern era where things are changing so rapidly And so I was doing some research and I came across this study that I want to kick off our conversation with. So it was a study in the Oxford Journal uh, that was done in 2016 of actually Mexicanos. And the study was meant to discover the orientation of the caregiver role amongst Latinas, specifically of Mexican descent. So one of the results that came out of this study was many of the Latinas felt that it was their responsibility as a wife as a daughter, as a sister, to serve as a caregiver. So let's open up with that. When you hear that, what do you think? And I want to go to Miguel first because we purposely wanted to have a male perspective in this conversation because I think it's important. So what do you think about that?
2: I think that as Latinos, 100% correct. Like, you know, we're raised in a way where the women take care of the men. Myself, for instance, growing up, like, just going to Dominican Republic to visit the family, your food was placed in front of you. If you try to pick up that plate, no, no, no. no. The, high school, the women will take care of it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that was just instilled not only in us, but also instilled in, like, my sisters. like Their caregivers, they feel that they have to care for the men. And it pissed me off in so many different ways watching my sister cater to her, her ex-husband. Really? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Why? Because you wasn't fond of him or because he was a man?
2: Um, a little bit of column a and column B. Okay. A more okay. column I I wasn't very fond of him. I didn't think he was the greatest man to her. But yet, you know, he just walked in, and sat at the head of the table, and his food was brought out to him. Rice in one dish, mm. beans in another salad. But that's the way, you know, my mother catered to us growing up. Like mm-hmm. The boys in the house, that's how we were fed. The men in the house were always taken care of first. Whenever there was a family event, men ate first and the women were second. And the men didn't help in the kitchen. Now, I come from a different world where it's like I work in the kitchen. So for me, being that caretaker with food reverses the role. Mm. It puts me in a place where I want to make sure everything is right and perfect. And whoever sits at my table gets to eat at the same time.
0: Hmm. Interesting. But does that carry over to home, too? Because that's your professional setting.
2: Does it carry over to home? Yeah. You know, it's it's a balance in my house. You know, Mm -hmm. my lady doesn't cater to me I don't, we cater to each other we cater mm-hmm. to the home we cater to the family mm. we do for each other as much as we can okay. and there is no well that's your job you're the woman of the house or you're the man you have to do that it's like we both partake in done and we work together to accomplish those goals
0: and was that always the case because that sounds like a very mature position and if you were raised right and by the way miguel is dominicano and that was also set up <laughs>
2: <laughs> i figured as much
0: that was also set up perfectly uh you know a strategy but you know if you were raised right and being catered to by women did you carry that into your relationships in your adolescence and maybe in your 20s no no
2: I've always been that guy I I get up and it's like I want to cook I want to you know clean up after myself fold my own clothes Um, me and my brother completely different my brother has taken that out you know into his life like He gets served when he's home. Mm. Like his wife takes care of him. And, you know, their relationship is great. There's nothing wrong with that. It just wasn't for me. I always felt like I had to do more.
0: Where is that from? I have no
2: idea. (laughs) To be honest, you know? Okay. For me, I just know that when it came to food, like I didn't want to wait to be served. Like I'll go and I'll make it myself. Mm. I didn't want you to cook. If I'm hungry, I'm going to go ahead and do it myself.
0: Yeah.
2: I've always had this love for cuisine and food and experimentation and expressing art through it. So for me, being in the kitchen was my peaceful place. Mm
0: -hmm. Interesting. Carmen, what do you think? What do you think about this stat about, you know, Latinas feeling it is their responsibility? So it made me cringe because
1: I'm the youngest of five and my parents are 20 years apart and my father is Chicano, and my mother is from Mexico. So they have two very different upbringings. They're not the same. Even though we're Latino, it's not the same. And I also know, like, culture Wait, culturally- I'm sorry, I interrupt you. There's a difference between Mexicano and Chicano? Yeah. So really? my father was born in the U.S. in 1924. Okay. And so my family was here before it became the United States. And so their traditions are different. They speak— Different, they make similar foods, but you know, there's a language called calo. Men are a little bit more Not modernized, sure. right? More self sufficient. This is on the, the Chicano, Chicano side? side.
0: Okay. And then
1: my mother is from Mexico, where she was taught to serve. And so, as a little girl, being the youngest, my older siblings are a lot older than me 14, 12, seven, and two years older than me. And then, me being the youngest, I consistently got catered to. And I wasn't raised in the kitchen. and But we'd go to church every single day, and my mother would say things like, pídele a Dios que te dé el donde servir. Mm. So I was like, I don't really know what that means. Because also, by the time you get to the fifth one, right, parents are older, siblings speak English. So I spoke English, my parents spoke Spanish. And so I'd be like, I'm not telling Don anything. You know, like, and, but in actuality, what my mom was setting me up was to serve the world and not to serve men. I wasn't raised to, you know, I watched on Thanksgiving, I watched football with my brothers and it was always the Cowboys playing for some reason. But not winning. I know. (laughs) But but I wasn't like, um, it wasn't something my older brother cooked very similar to yourself. My older brother was a chef. And so he would cook for us little ones. My dad cooked. And really, I, as I think about who I am, um, it wasn't until I became older that I wanted to serve a man. And I remember being in college. I went to UC Santa Cruz and my brothers used to be Raider, or are Raider fans. And so Oakland is near you know, Santa Cruz. It's about an hour away. And my brothers would come from the LA area all the way up to Oakland. And so they used to tailgate and barbecue. And my brother's friends would be like, why isn't she cooking? And my brother was like, well, one, you want to eat good food, right? She she ain't a cook like that. But it's because when I was younger, I used to tell my brothers I'm educated, not domesticated. And I would Ooh. reject.
2: We interrupt our program to bring
0: you this important message. Ooh, this is really good. You should know about this. So I don't know about you, but I've been known to procrastinate, especially when things scare the hell out of me. The fear alone would have me stuck, overwhelmed, confused, and all types of self-doubt. And don't even get me started on the imposter syndrome. Okay, okay. After getting laid off, not once, but three times, honey. I realized that the security blanket that I made up in my head was just an excuse because I didn't really want to bet on myself. The corporate benefits that had me in that headlock girl, they went out the window once my job decided that they no longer needed me.
2: Turns out that I'll save a whole nickel if I cut your salary.
0: (laughs) The truth is, the only security blanket guarantee is the one that you create for yourself. In other words, until you start a business, you will always be at the mercy of a company's headcount and you will never have complete control over your time, which means you'll be renting out your thought leadership and helping build someone else's dream instead of your own. If you've been waiting for a sign, this is it. Don't you think it's time you stop playing small and tap all the way into your power system? Check out www.VictoriaGen dot com slash training to learn my three-step process the exact three steps that i took to make the transition from corporate to entrepreneurship and this is helpful even if you don't know what type of business to start and have only one source of income and this is absolutely free it is my gift to you i want you to win it's winning season in fact what's that it smells like winning season okay so tap in and i'll see you inside the training let's go
1: And I would reject this idea that I had to serve. However, my older sister served my brother-in-law and she was a stay home wife. And I feel like that job was so much harder than maybe my job as a student or whatever job I took. But my mother traveled the world praying for people. So I saw my father take care of us. My father cooked, he cleaned. And so as I got older and I started examining gender roles, I didn't grow up with many gender roles, you know. We were outside mowing the lawn, washing the cars. And so I was really raised as a tomboy. But when I have, now that I have my own children, I want to serve them and I want to serve my husband. And there's times when he cooks and there's times when I cook. And there are moments when nobody cooks and we just order. And it, for us, it's about a balance, a partnership that we have one another. And I saw that partnership with my mo- my mother and my father. There was a partnership, although she was raised to serve, and she always served my dad and she gave him the best plate. You know, so we're always like, oh, that, you know, what's he got on his plate? Yeah, yeah. Um, but wow. I also know that as I got older and I started identifying as a Chicana feminist, And that, for me, Chicana feminism is really inclusive of having men in my life. So it's not the absence of men. But I learned that a lot of these traditions that we have now take on were really brought to us from colonization. Right? There were no real gender roles. There was clan mothers. There were chiefs. There were, you know, in our indigenous culture, we were a village. We were a community. There was no this hierarchy. So I talk a lot about that in some of the writings that I'm doing right now around the gender roles, around how oftentimes, some of the way in which we view women has really been brought on based
0: on religion and colonization. So I agree. I agree 100%. So do you think that Latinas are raised to be caregivers to men versus leaders? Oh, absolutely. I do. It wasn't my
1: experience. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the reason why I am the type of leader that I am, right? Right because there was no hindrance on my ability to do what I wanted to do yeah. or who I wanted to become but I do know in other my older sister didn't have the same expectation than I did right my older sister was not allowed to play sports she was probably trained to serve right and for me i was like by the time it got to the fifth one they're like oh, what's she doing stan la calle you know i was out doing all these other things but i do believe latinas are cultivated to serve specifically their man and not
0: fulfill their own dreams so let's take a deeper dive into this because i think it's bigger than just catering to a man and how it plays in different areas of our lives because i know When you get a bunch of Latinas together, it's so interesting because it does depend on how they were raised. But I find that they are competing for the attention of men and they are competing to like be chosen. And they are competing to kind of show up as this, like this caregiver supreme. Like I'm the queen (laughs) caregiver, like choose me and... What do you think that does to Latinas and the cultura in general if we continue to kind of carry on those traditions? Because I think it's interesting what you said. Like, when I was younger, so I was raised by my dad. And every summer I would go to Puerto Rico. And that is where I would be with my tias and their husbands and my cousins. And all of my tias would cater to their men. Like, it was always them getting served first, not working. My tios were the breadwinner and they would be at work all day and we'd be at like the water park, (laughs) the kids with, Mm -hmm. with my tias. But it felt so, it felt so loving. It felt so natural and it felt like, like it was something that I should do. And so the balance between how do you show up as a caregiver that comes natural And still be a leader. Like how do you cater to both of those roles? So Miguel, how do you think given your experience and how you grew up and the woman in your life, how do you think we need to create this balance where it's okay to be both? Or it's important and or it's important for you to create balance so that you're able to be both a caregiver if that's what you wish and also a leader.
2: Well, in my experience, my mother was a leader. Not Mm -hmm. only was she a Mm -hmm. caregiver, but she was a leader. She ran the house. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My father was a breadwinner, but my mother did work her way and open up two businesses. She opened up grocery stores. She was a force to be reckoned with. Mm -hmm. I mean, not only in the house, being a caregiver, but also being the leader of the house and giving us that education to, you know, strive for better. Like work, make your own money. It's like be your own boss. So- I think that there has to be a healthy balance on both ends because men need to learn how to be caretakers as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it just can't be you come home and kick your feet up and everything is done for you, mm-hmm. which still happens. You know, mm-hmm. uh, a lot, a lot. But you know, we are in a modern world, and women in this day and age aren't doing that shit. You know? <laughs> they like, we ain't
0: having it.
2: They're not having it. You know, and you know, my lady is Italian, and going to visit her side of the family. I see the same thing. Like the women cater to these mm-hmm, men. Mm-hmm. However, they're all independent, strong, powerful women who also lead in whatever field that they're in. Mm.
1: I think it's a strategy, to be honest with you, that women cater to men because you are raised, right? When men are their happiest, one of the things is through food. We talked about this is like food brings people together. What's that phrase? corazón contento, right? Mm-hmm. Full stomach, happy mm-hmm. heart, and I think it's an organizing strategy in order to get what you want from your partner. Like mm. I think about that. My mother, she worked. My father, he worked. But my mother came home and she cooked a meal and she served my father, and then she was able to do whatever she wanted to do because she kept him happy and i'm like that is a strategy that's like and so when i want to do something or have time with my friends or or just whatever i organize my husband too i'm like yo what do you want to eat i got (laughs) you right (laughs) it's bribing (laughs) i don't know like and i think what men are trying to teach women is if you want your life to be a little easier and if you want to actually get some things to your advantage, you have to kind of give in a little bit and keep your husband happy. Mm. You know, my mom, look, it's really fascinating because it wasn't until I had children. I, I started having children at the age of 40 and me and my mom, I thought we were really close. And it wasn't until 40 that I realized when I had children, My mother was giving me game all along when it came to men, the things that I had to do for them. And I was just like, nah, that's not me. But then I was like, actually, it is because I'm like serving my children. I get up and I do all these things that I was like, man, this is what moms do for their sons. Yeah, Yeah. Ultimately, their sons want from their women. But just hearing you talk about it, it just makes me think like, look, that is a strategy that we use in order to like get what we want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think our moms have been giving us game all this time. And in actuality, you're right. Like women have been balancing leadership and serving. You know, I am trained in servant leadership. So for me, it's always about being in service of. So whether it's in my home or whether it's in the community, but what's fascinating about it is that like, I want to do those things for my husband. I want for him to eat good food. And sometimes I also have to make sure he's eating the green stuff, you know, because at this moment, health is really important as we're getting older. But I remember there was a point in time when I would reject these things because I thought they were expected of me. And now I just kind of I think about the game my mom gave me watching my sister and how happy her and my my brother-in-law are, just the partnership that they have. And also the conversations I have with my husband about him helping out when I need help. Like, you know, for the most part, I work in Manhattan and he's able to take the kids to school, which, you know, they go to school in Jersey. Yeah. But he's able to pick up things. and And I just feel like at the end of the day, it allows me to show up with my full self, yeah. being able to serve and also become a leader. And you're right, my mom was a leader. She was traveling the world praying for people,
0: and then she'd come home and she still play her position. Mm-hmm. So Miguel, there was something you wanted to say. You remember?
2: I do. Right? Let's go. <laughs> Let's know, get into it. I remember in my youth, you know, previous relationships, there was an expectation of men. It's like you need to treat me like a queen, mm-hmm. right? I am a queen, and I should treated as such right and you're, like, you're absolutely right mm-hmm. what does that mean it's like I have to provide for you I have to take care of you I have to defend you and protect you but you have to treat me like a king it's mm. like it goes both ways you know you want to be treated with respect and loyalty you need to give that back and that can be an exchange of serving or whatnot it goes back and forth but I remember repeating this to one of my theas, and she goes don't get it twisted right? (laughs) We treat the men like kings and we serve them, but there's a purpose for it because we need them to go ahead and do things that we can't do
0: Mm. or won't do, Mm -hmm. right? Or don't
2: want to do. Or don't want to do. (laughs) Don't take out the trash, you know? (laughs) Because I get that all the time. Yeah, that's my job. That's my gender role. I take out the trash.
0: Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah.
2: But there was a mentality, you know, it made me think of going back to Dominican Republic and you hear that song by Bad Bunny, Titi ti Me Preguntó. That shit is real, right? You would go back and they'd cater you, but they'd also ask you how many girlfriends you have. I'm like, mm. no, I have one. Oh, no, no, you're single right now. You're, you're young. You have to have a lot of girlfriends, right? You have to find the one that's going to take care of you and take care of the house and give you kids. I'm like, well, how many girlfriends does Theo have? I'll fucking kill him. <laughs> <laughs> He's married now. That that time was done.
0: Right, right, right.
2: So it, it goes back to that mentality of like the men are the men and they should be seen as such. And I wanted to touch on that because what we talked about mental health earlier. I've been going to therapy for years, which is something that's shunned in the Latino community. Mm-hmm. But I was talking to my therapist last week about, you know, stresses in the house. And her response, which Completely caught me off guard. This is like a therapist in training who's with a therapist. She goes, well, you're the man. You're not supposed to deal with those things. Wow.
0: What?
2: And I'm glad this was a one-on-one session because if my woman was in the room, she would have (laughs) lost her shit. Yeah. She goes, no, no, you need to put her in a place and tell her that she can't do that. I was like, oh, Uh
1: -uh. it's not the
2: way this works. (laughs) You know, we're not, and I said it's like we're not in the, you know, in the ice ages. Like we're in modern times. Like things are different. Yeah. She's a strong, independent woman. She can handle her shit without me. Mm. Right? And I'm there to support her and she's there to support me. That's how it works. It's like, oh, I didn't see it that way.
0: Oh, so you was being her
1: therapist. Interesting. so. <laughs> so, you know, what's really fascinating about that is the fact that, like, when I think about my mom and my dad's relationship, they were dependent on one another. There was this dependency. My mother did expect for my father to work and provide. Even though she also worked, there was just more of a reliance on my father than her. And then she handled other things. And I think about that because culturally we're different, my mom and I, right? Like she grew up in Mexico. She was one of the younger ones out of, I think, 13 children. Wow. So I'm assuming my grandmother didn't work because she kept having babies. And my grandfather well, was. That's a job on its
2: own. Right. right. Yes, it is. I
1: mean, but I mean, 13, that's, that's like two yeah. jobs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's three. Right. That's exactly. That's a lot.
1: But, um, you know, I think about my grandfather and he was a horse breeder and my grandmother had 13 children. And my mother was one of my mom's sisters had a child out of wedlock that really brought a black scar onto the family, right? And so my mom being the younger one, my grandmother was like, and so my mother was actually the one that would cook and clean and do all these things, right? Mm -hmm. And so then when she came to the US, she continued to do that for my dad's family members. And what's really fascinating, and I think about it is, you know, I, my mother talked a lot about how she suffered in America. And I was like, well, you know, if I was you, I would have left, right? Not that my dad harmed her, but she just wasn't welcomed by society. And I would would have gone back home to Mexico. But I noticed that for her, there was this dependency. She loved my father, but she was also like, uh, those were things you couldn't do. And I think now you said something that really resonated with me is like, women are working now right I think after World War II women I think about how the burrito was made right it was because of the fact that like women started working and you had to put everything and get folks food but you know women started working and there were no that like that's I, how the burrito was made? yeah the burrito was made because there was working family members
0: We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Ooh, this is really good. You should know about this. So I don't know about you, but I've been known to procrastinate, especially when things scare the hell out of me. The fear alone would have me stuck, overwhelmed, confused, and all types of self-doubt. And don't even get me started on the imposter syndrome, okay? Okay. After getting laid off, not once, but three times, honey. I realized that the security blanket that I made up in my head was just an excuse because I didn't really want to bet on myself. The corporate benefits that had me in that headlock, girl, they went out the window once my job decided that they no longer needed me.
2: It turns out that I'll save a whole nickel if I cut your salary.
0: The truth is, the only security blanket guarantee is the one that you create for yourself. In other words, until you start a business, you will always be at the mercy of a company's headcount and you will never have complete control over your time, which means you'll be renting out your thought leadership and helping build someone else's dream instead of your own. If you've been waiting for a sign, this is it. Don't you think it's time you stop playing small and tap all the way into your power system? Check out www.victoriagen.com training to learn my three-step process, the exact three steps that I took to make the transition from corporate to entrepreneurship. And this is helpful even if you don't know what type of business to start and have only one source of income. And this is absolutely free. It is my gift to you. I want you to win. It's winning season. In fact, what's that? It smells like winning season. Okay, so tap in and I'll see you inside the training. Let's go. Yeah. So, when you say working family, what do you mean? Like, they just like, needed to feed you, and so they stuffed a whole bunch of stuff in a wrap and gave
1: it to it you? It was just, you know, back in the day, you'd make your arroz, frijoles, all that stuff, in a plate, and, you know, you had time. But when the woman started working, oh, she had to, like, got it. So you had to, like, eat it yeah, fast. Yeah, take you had it a, to go. take, yeah, it, to take go, it to go, right? Oh, interesting. Um, okay. But, but I think about the the fact that, you know, there's something called the second shift, right? Like, where women go to work, and then they come home, and they got to take care of the kids. It's the second shift. But so there's been some changes as a Latina, right? You could be raised to serve and serve your man and do all these things. But there's also times that change. And we're in a working environment. Some of us have careers, right? We are told, go and live your dreams. And your career becomes most important sometimes, And not to say that your family is secondary, but some women aren't even having children and they're not having relationships because they've had to provide for their families, right? Their parents, their abuelitos, they've now become accustomed to doing things on their own. So when they're in a relationship with somebody, they want a partnership, right? They're not willing to accept some of these things of this is what I expect from you, unless it's a mutual understanding. But you know, I think about that often because of the trajectory of my life, and it's not the same as my friends. You know, I'm lucky that I got to go to college, and my friends didn't get that access. You know, growing up, and they have a very different life than I do. But I know for me, you know, I waited for years to have children, and it was when I was ready. I wasn't ready when I was like 20, right? Or like 30, yeah, right. But your clock, as a Latina. They tell you at 20, you need to start popping out these babies. Yeah, I mean, my dads were talking to me
0: like (laughs) when I was a teenager. And they were like, oh, so, what are you that your family? (laughs) And I'm just like, um, I'm just trying to like eat my sandwich. (laughs) I think that's
2: Latinos in general. Because, you know, it's like your mothers push you to have kids at an early age. Like, oh, you're 20 now. It's like, you know, when are you going to settle down and get married? I'm like, I'm 20. <laughs> like still, right. no, I didn't have my first child till forty-seven. Mm. Oh right? wow! Yeah, I'm fifty.
0: Okay. Oh. My dad yeah. had me at forty-two.
2: And so my I, dad had
0: me at fifty-three.
2: Look oh, at
1: look at yes. that! Okay. And he was the best father. Yeah, so much patience. But yeah. yeah.
2: But you know, I see men around me that are now taking on the second shift. Yeah. You know, and the third shift, and fourth, and everything. But that's
0: a whole story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But go
2: ahead, finish. It, it's it's balancing out watching you know liz's uncles and stuff like they don't like her her grandfather won't change a diaper it's like that's (laughs) woman unless he gets stuck with her he has to do it but all of my boys you know like they have kids and it's like they take them to school they cook for them they Mm -hmm. take on that second shift they we give breaks to the women in our lives who Mm -hmm. do work and sometimes need a moment for themselves So that way we can go out also, you know, kind of like you serving your husband, so we can do something. It's like we do the same thing.
0: Yeah, there's a shift. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. if you're smart. So what do we think about? Because I think it really relies on when you were born, where you were raised, who raised you, right? That has the biggest influence. But if you're here in the states and you have the access, I do see there's like this tension that's happening within the community right now, where. Latinos are like, hold on a second. I was raised with this machismo and I was raised with this privilege. Like I was raised with women catering to me. And so that's my expectation of my wife. And to your point earlier, Carmen, like I'm similar in the sense that at first I would kind of resent that because I'm like, hold on a second. (laughs) Like, why can't we do that for each other? Like, why does it always need to be on me? Right? but i think there's this this now this tension that is happening because there's people who are stuck in traditional ways and love the traditional way and then there's people who are in the middle who are like confused and they're like ooh we want to uphold some of these traditional values but then we're trying to figure out how the modern concept fits in and then you have people who are like no absolutely not we're completely untraditional like we're starting our own traditions so how do you navigate how do you navigate that space because I think in the community, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. There's so much complexity. It's like, okay, well, how do I show up now? Because my identity is like going through a transformation.
2: How do you show up, you know, when you, your elders are saying, oh, well, she's supposed to be doing that. Exactly. I still want to beat that into people's heads. You just got to jump in, man. And it's like, do it. I mean, there is mm-hmm. no right way or wrong way to navigate it. It's just figuring it out along the way. See what you will deal with and what you won't. What your likes and dislikes are. But along the way, you have to approach it with mutual respect.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm a debater. I should have really took that in <laughs> in high school. <laughs> I love to debate, but I also love to learn from our elders. Like I, I like to ask a lot of questions, and I, I will sit there and learn about why a tradition has to be passed down, mm-hmm. right? And my mentor Harry Belafonte always says, "Meet them." Where they're at and champion them to your cause. And so I'll hear their perspective and I will politely insert my own perspective into the conversation because I want people, you know, I was working two full-time jobs with two babies under the age of two. And I'm talking about being the CEO of an organization and being the chief of staff of another organization. It just didn't even seem like enough. Right. And I'm breastfeeding I'm doing all the things. I was breastfeeding one child while I was pregnant with the other and your body and, you know, meanwhile, I was also visible Latina um, at the helm of the Women's March and getting death threats. There was a lot coming to me. And I remember hearing, well, you know, I had three jobs too and I did that and I have these many kids and that's just the way it is. And this is from a male perspective, right? Well, mm-hmm. that's not what I was trained. Like, you know, I think for me, having multiple jobs is really a mental health survival for me, right? It's me being occupied and me trying to, you know, not think about certain things, right? So when I'm getting the most attacked or when I lost my sister, I had three jobs. I got three jobs to not think about her loss. Mm -hmm. When I was getting attacked, I was like, oh, I need to get all these jobs in order to not think about it. But I was also being a full-time mom because we were in a pandemic. And so I was able to like take kids to work. And, but what's, fascinating is that there's these traditions that are passed down and there are also this expectation that women are superhuman and especially latina women right like you're supposed to just suck it up and do this and do that and um don't complain be grateful be quiet be quiet you know y no le digas a que está sufriendo you know all these different things and so there's a time where People blow up, right? And we need to teach something different. And I think for myself, like for my older sister, um, she raised five beautiful children. She was a stay at home until Tatiana, the baby, was old enough where she went back to work. And my brother in law didn't change a diaper. You know, that was not his role. He was a provider. And, you know, the kids all went off to college and did phenomenal things. You know, my trajectory was different than my older sister, but her role in my life was that she was my sister. She was my mom. She was my mentor. She was my counselor. She was all things, even for me as a younger sibling. And I think about like just the women in our lives, you know, I think about the abuelitas that, you know, have done so much and don't get the recognition. And what I want for Latinas is to get the recognition. There's unpaid labor that we have, that we do at home. And some of us want the balance and some of us don't, right? Some of us are like, I was raised to serve and I'm going to serve and I'm going to you know, treat my partner with all the respect that he deserves because he provides for me. That's great. But I also want people to feel proud of anything that they choose to do with their life, you know, Mm -hmm. and especially because there are partners like you. My husband is one of them that is like, this is a partnership. Like, you know, when people are like, oh, your wife needs to do this. (laughs) He's Mm -hmm. like, uh we, you know, we we got different gender roles. Like Mm -hmm. we we partners in this, you know, we gonna collab, we'll make dinner together. And there's times where he's so tired that I'm like down to make whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, but Mm -hmm. I feel like whatever works for you. That is grounded with love and respect. Let it work for you, right? Mm-hmm. I know that it doesn't work for me sometimes, and then there's times that it does. You know, where I'm like, okay, cool. I'll pretend I'm the secretary. You know, yeah. like, and I'll go get. I, and as a Latina too, you know, as a woman, people assume that you're inconsistent servant roles they don't see you as CEOs they don't see you as entrepreneurs or business owners so i'm always like oh are you the secretary are you the person i should give my number to and i'll be like sure you could you know depending on the mood i'll play with it you know mm. but i truly believe that women particularly latinas have been balancing the role of leadership in in my home my mom ran the house
0: yeah i i mean i i think there to the recognition point because society in general has made it seem like the caretaker at home was the weak link. Like, you weren't as strong as a person who was in the street bringing home the money. Like, your value wasn't the same. Like, it was unbalanced value. When the roles have shifted and now men are finding themselves in that role, they're like, oh, wow, <laughs> like, women are superpowers. You know what I mean? Let me like we have let the let touch on that. Because,
2: you know, as men, were raised to... Like you were saying, it's like women are superpowers and stay home, be quiet, don't complain. You know, do everything. But as men, we're expected to be strong all the time and never be vulnerable. Yeah. Right. And yeah. when we are vulnerable, a lot of women don't know how to accept it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah I've seen that too. Where yeah. women are like, "Yo, you're not supposed to be weak. Like, be strong." Right. What do you yeah. mean? You're yeah. worrying about? Yeah. Something? Right. You know?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, Absolutely. this uh, this is something that me and my lady are, are dealing with now. You know, there's a lot of concerns that i have about the future and things and she's just so used to me being the decision maker the strong one the one who's always positive that now that that role is reversing she's like doesn't know how to handle it like, what are you worried about if you're worried then i have to worry more <laughs> interrupt our program
0: to bring you this important message. Ooh, this is really good. You should know about this. So I don't know about you, but I've been known to procrastinate, especially when things scare the hell out of me. The fear alone would have me stuck, overwhelmed, confused, and all types of self-doubt. And don't even get me started on the imposter syndrome, okay? Okay. After getting laid off, not once, but three times, honey. I realized that the security blanket that I made up in my head was just an excuse because I didn't really want to bet on myself. The corporate benefits that had me in that headlock, girl, they went out the window once my job decided that they no longer needed me.
2: Turns out that I'll save a whole nickel if I cut your salary.
0: (laughs) The truth is, the only security blanket guarantee is the one that you create for yourself. In other words, until you start a business, you will always be at the mercy of a company's headcount and you will never have complete control over your time, which means you'll be renting out your thought leadership and helping build someone else's dream instead of your own. If you've been waiting for a sign, this is it. Don't you think it's time you stop playing small and tap all the way into your power system? Check out www.VictoriaGen dot com slash training to learn my three-step process the exact three steps that i took to make the transition from corporate to entrepreneurship and this is helpful even if you don't know what type of business to start and have only one source of income and this is absolutely free it is my gift to you i want you to win it's winning season in fact what's that it smells like winning season okay so tap in and i'll see you inside the training let's go
2: Again, it's like we're trying to find that balance because roles are changing as, you know, time progresses, changes. But, man, it just touched, it just hit me. Like, I was always told, no mm. you have to be strong. You have to protect. You have to fight for the family. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just don't want to.
0: Yeah. You know,
2: sometimes you do want to cry. Sometimes you just want to let it out. Sometimes mm-hmm. you need to vent.
0: Totally. Sometimes totally. you need
2: to be vulnerable. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's what I love about the time that we're in is that we're finally giving men that space because we never gave men that space. And I think that is a shift that is taking a lot of time for people to adjust to men and women, right? Because men don't even know how to handle themselves with what you want me to be vulnerable. Wait, it's okay to do this? Hold but on. if
2: we do that, then right. know, our elders look at us like
0: Exactly. Like you know, like, like you uh-huh. like you <laughs> right. <Ben> Dejo, right? <laughs> and so I think for all of us we have a responsibility to identify what traditional values make up who we are and what traditional values we want to challenge to make us a better version of ourselves. Because there are obviously things from the past that make uh, our character and feed our cultura that we love. Like food, we love to serve, we love to host, we love to welcome, we want to give you besitos. Like we're very welcoming cultura, which I think are beautiful parts of the cultura. But then you have these other areas where... Like, for example, men are like, is the tias will tell you, you should have multiple women, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> what do you mean you got one girlfriend, right? And we'll celebrate that for men. Yeah. But, but then they, when they enter into this new space, it's like, wait, hold on. Like, this is not right. Like, I shouldn't be having this And many you know women.
1: what? I sometimes wonder, what if we raise girls to also have the option of having multiple partners? And to be independent and to be all these different things. You know, I I had gotten both versions of the like dependent, independent. But you know, what's really what I love now is that in my mid 40s with two little ones, a four and a two year old, for the first time in my life, I wanted to actually stop working to raise them. Like all I knew was work. I've been working since I was 11, you know, so I'm like, I'm going to work all my life. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And recently, I've been having conversations with my husband, and I kind of like throw hints. So I, it's not like you know, but I'll be like, "Oh, I really want to stay home with them." And I know, I think it's scary for me because I don't know anything else. I I wouldn't really know what to do with myself, you know, as they're in
0: school. Not or whatever. only that, but that was your defense mechanism. It was, was work. So yeah. it's like, what am so I going to do if some shit happens? I know. <laughs> and I'm home. I'm home.
1: <laughs> but I'm. But I. I was listening. I went to a little party at my kid's school last Friday. It was super cute with the DJ and pizza and the teachers were all talking to me and they're like, I stayed with my my babies up until they were six years old. Every one of them told me that. And I was like, damn, I really need to reevaluate this stuff. And mind you, this is something I rejected, right? I rejected these gender norms or social norms that people had on me. And I used to be like, I'm not going to do that. I'm And now, you know, I kind of like don't say anything. And I try not to judge because I was like, oh, Lord, like now it's all coming back. You know, mm-hmm. everything I said I was mm-hmm. going to do, I do now that I have kids. But, you know, it's part of um, there's a cultural piece that you get taught as a Latina. And then there's just an instinct in your heart that comes from motherhood that i think i'm trying to balance right is like you know there was a rejection to men and their assumptions of who i was mm-hmm. right and then now there's just more of an acceptance because that's all they've known and have been trained to understand about women so there's kind of like more of a empathy is mm-hmm. what i i'm learning right is i see My husband is, is very understanding, but there are some expectations he has of me that I'm still trying to accommodate myself, you know? And it's because his same thing, he was raised in church and he was raised a certain way, very similar to the Latino experience, Mm -hmm. right? Like mom serves dad, all those things. And I'm just kind of like, oh, we got some of the same things, but for me, I think when I'm expected to do things is what I have a really hard time. But when there's like a mutual understanding or there's craving in my heart mm-hmm. or in my body that yeah. wants to do it, then I'm more willing to do it. Yeah. And I don't know if like other Latinas experienced that or is it just because of the way the age, the you know, being the youngest, right? It's not the same as the oldest or a only child, right? Because there's different
0: expectations. But I always think about why am I so different, you know? Well, I think again, it was your environment. Mm -hmm. It really backs down to like what was your environment? You also were raised here, New York, West Coast. Like, you've had a lot of different influences, Mm -hmm. feminist, Chicana. Like, nobody (laughs) says that. (laughs) Like, influences some type of way. You also are on, you know, this representation of service. You're a community builder, you're an organizer. Like, You care about justice, like all of these things, I think were influenced as a child to you. Mm -hmm. But what I find really interesting is that ultimately all of us now has to decide who we want to be, why we wanna be that, and how are we going to ensure that we are being the change we wanna see? Mm -hmm. Right. So if we are not hinged to those traditional values anymore, how are you gonna show up? And you know, I'm single. I'm the only one single here. Um, and it's so interesting on the dating scene because it's, you know, I date a lot of Black men and they'll tell me how they love Latinas because we're raised to cater to our man versus other cultures. And I can when, see that. Yeah. And when I hear that, i would be like, yeah, because Latinas are the shit. Right. But then when I really think about it, I'm like are we doing more of a disservice to Latinas? Because a lot of Latinas walking out here insecure. They're not asking for the money that they deserve. They're not negotiating at the table. They're being really quiet. They're working with their head down. They're not going for the promotion. They're you know lacking confidence and all the things. And so it's kind of like, it's a gift and a curse. It is. It's like the gift is... We are raised culturally to cater to our men and that brings us joy. Like, like to your point, it brings me joy. I love to cater. Like when my dad's at my house, he's a freaking king. I'm looking <laughs> yeah. for him. I'm kid. Get get what you need? What you need, right? And the same thing for, you know, my man.
2: <laughs> and so
0: <laughs> But on the other token of that, I was also raised by my father. And so I think a lot of that like masculinity, going after what I want, the aggressiveness and all of that comes from being raised so much by him so i have the balance but a lot of latinas don't have the balance and so it's serving is it doing more damage than good
2: listen i have a little girl and i'm raising her to be strong and independent caring and loving it's like i don't want her to be that my sister is an amazing woman don't get me wrong (laughs) i don't want her to be like my sister Mm. catering to a man Mm. i want her to be an individual i want her to be strong you know my Liz wants to put her in in gymnastics. I'm like, I want to put her in boxing classes.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, go Mm -hmm. kick ass. Mm It's like, I
2: don't want you to be in a position where you have to run away from a guy or some man is going to overpower you. I want you to be able to knock him out. Not that I condone violence, (laughs) but kick his fucking ass (laughs) if he puts his hands Mm
0: -hmm. on it. You know, that shit. Yeah, yeah.
2: And I I don't want her to be that traditional Latina that just does whatever the man tells her to. Mm. Right? Because that's not what I grew up with. I do have cousins that are like that but my mother was like I think my father was terrified of my mother you know growing up because she was so strong tough yes. <laughs> tough is yes, is, yes. A, is a nice word yes. you know my mother was hard she was a very hard woman but my my daughter needs to see that there's has to be a balance I want her mm-hmm. to not have to go through the same things that my sisters went right
0: through mm-hmm.
1: and that's the I think that's so important to just uplift is you're right there's a major confidence gap With Latinas, even as it pertains to voting, there is a confidence gap with Latinas when it comes to their value. And I do think, to a certain extent, there is a disservice when you're consistently having to rely on somebody for your livelihood Mm -hmm. and your happiness. Mm -hmm. And I think for myself, you know, my mom would always say, nadie te va a dar nada en la mano. Like, the funny thing is I don't speak Spanish that well, but the words that my mom would consistently repeat to me are things that I could, like, just flow and through my in. tongue, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she'd always say, you need to work hard, you know? Nothing's ever going to be handed to you. And, you know, even the fact that, like, my husband recently bought a house and and I was so proud, but I was like, you know, I, I have to keep my... Condo in Manhattan mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I'm like, you just never know. You're there's so much suffering, right? When you're consistently having to cater to somebody else's needs, and you're not able to really build yourself up to have the confidence to express your own needs. And I think that's what was very challenging for me, what I witnessed in the church, right? Going to church every day, you would see this with families. And I also coached varsity high school girls. They were predominantly Latinas in Watsonville, California. And I remember going to do home visits because the girls were not showing up for basketball practice.
2: Because they had to take care of the family? Because
1: they had to take care and they had to clean. And I remember going to speak to a family and I said, you know, and the mom was speaking to me and the husband was just there and he was like, yo no sé por qué me está hablando. He wanted the guy coach to to um speak to him and i said no te esta hablando no le esta hablando porque no habla español He don't know spanish that's the reason he ain't talking to you and i'm talking to you right mm-hmm. and i remember calling my mom and asking her like mom you know i played ball all my life and i remember like she didn't understand and it was like why are you in the streets and and i said mom what should i say to these parents and she's like tell them that i was mistaken for limiting your ability to be on the court and be free. Like I should have never taken that from you. Mm -hmm. And um and so I I talked to, you know, luckily, you know, I kept showing up and I kept trying to talk to these parents that their kids actually ended up graduating high school and going to college. But even that wasn't their path. These girls' path were not to go to university. Their path was to get pregnant to have kids or to be home and take care of the family. And I do think it's a disservice. Luckily now Latinas make a significant, a significant amount of the population that are graduating college, but that is a, that is recent, right? Right. Um, and so I do think, you know, we're doing a disservice when we're not giving girls, Latina girls, the opportunity to have the balance to decide for themselves. Look, you want to serve and that's what you love then do that. If you want to go and pursue your own career and and have a partnership, then do that too. But I, I know for myself as a Latina at my age, who has a 26 year career, you and I talked about this. I sometimes don't know my value. I sometimes don't know when to ask. And it's not because, you know, I just wasn't taught. That wasn't what was being taught at home. My brothers were a lot like you. You know, they're like, let's put her in basketball. Let's put her in boxing. Like, let's rough her up. We're going to teach her how to defend herself. And we're going to teach her how to make her own money. And I am grateful for that. But there was also what I needed from the women in my home yeah, to show me that I was enough, you know. And, and it wasn't just to be dependent on a, a partner, which oftentimes mothers are telling you, see, si no te pega, quédate. You yeah. know, if, like— If you, if they're not hitting you, you should stay. I mean, he's cheating. Who cares? Right. And so I think that that's a whole nother shit. Yeah. (laughs) And so like, again, the, the way in which we raise girls compared to the way in which we raise boys is, is not balanced. Right. Sometimes. And so I love this conversation because this is a part of me that I don't ever really get to share. And I learned so much from you, but I think it's so important to like continuously talk about this in our homes, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So Miguel, any final thoughts?
2: I mean, I feel like I've seen this movie. (laughs) Uh, There's a movie on, uh, I think it's Amazon or a series called The Power.
0: Oh my God, yes, it is so good. I'm obsessed with it right now. And
2: it's exactly, it's kind of mirroring what we're talking about right now. It's a shift
0: in the gender roles roles and
2: women becoming powerful and becoming the alphas. Yes. Uh, And I'm like, yeah, that's going to be my little girl. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be my little girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, like you said, it's important to have these conversations. It's important to determine what values we want to instill in us and in our children and the next generation and to champion for those things and make sure that everybody has access to people like us that are willing to push the envelope and talk about it.
0: Totally. Carmen, final thoughts? You know, I just want my Latina
1: sisters to just feel empowered, to feel worthy, to know that there's those of us that are advocating for them and that you know, it's may not show up in our lifetime, but as long as we continue to work on it and we work with our partners on developing strong, independent Latinas, then, you know, there's going to be a future for us and we're going to be powerful. We're going to be strong. We're going to feel self-worth. And, you know, I just, again, for me, I wish I had this conversation many years ago and I hope that people really get to ask themselves what they want. And, you know, it's something that you said. And so thank you for giving us this
0: opportunity. No, thank you both. And, you know, I'll put in the show notes how people can get in contact (laughs) with you both because they are incredible. And it's been an honor having you on the show. (laughs) I'm super pumped. And, you know, my final word, similar to yours, Carmen, like, Latinas, you are powerful, you are strong, you are worthy, you are deserving. But in that same breath, Latinos, so are you. Like, Mm -hmm. we need you just as much as you need us. So as long as we are collaborating toward a beneficial effort, I think we'll be able to move the cultura forward and the complexities and the values that tend to pit us against each Mm -hmm. other will soon cease and there will be more opportunity for us to create more magic and vibrancy in the cultura and really push forward what makes us so amazing. So thanks for tuning in and I'll see you in the next show hola mi gente thanks for listening to today's episode don't forget to make sure and leave a review this is super important because this is how we're measured on the different audio platforms so if you want to hear more of banking on cultura if you were vibing if you had takeaways if you just enjoyed this episode please make sure to leave a review i appreciate you so much until next time